Okay. Yes, I know. Oh my god. Our it's only been a month since you recorded. I know it's recording. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that it tells us, but at the same time, it's like we've gotten so used to the recording sound that we're just going, um. Yeah, it's it's aggravating, but I also know why it exists. So my complaining is very, very soft. Uh, hello. Welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Uh, Tori, we were gone for like a month, right? Yup. So should we we talk about that? I'm going to briefly talk about that. So, you know, December is my birthday month and that's when we record stuff. Yeah. I woke up so sick with an upper respiratory infection, not COVID mind you, but I got it an upper respiratory infection from my daughter and then proceeded to miss out on my birthday because I was so sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then our lives just kind of got chaotic as they do in December. So we just F it all, we're moving it to January. So yep. even though I am not born in January, this is my birthday month, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that sounds like a negative. I would punt my birthday month to colonize June as well, but apparently that's called narcissism usually. So I'm also going to say privyet, which is welcome um, in Russian or hello, rather. Um, I so- do know what privyet means. I learned that from a drag queen. <laughs> Was it Katya? It was Katya Zamolochkova. <laughs> so this week's episode is entitled, Bet You're Pronouncing It Wrong. Um, I am going to apologize to any Russian listeners that I don't think we have. We're going to pronounce everything the American way. I but do not think we have Russian listeners. If I don't know if that puts you at ease or not. I'm so about 99% sure we do not have Russian listeners. But if you want to pronounce this book correctly, it's Eugenie On- Onegin. Eugenie Onegin. Which That's is like a, us, like a Eugene Onegin. So it's a little bit different in Russian, obviously. They probably hate the sound of our voices. It's fine. Um, what are we drinking? We're drinking vodka because of course. I have gin, which is just vodka plus botanicals. Because uh, as discussed in the pre-show, my aunt knows nothing about me outside of the fact that I like gin. Proceeded to buy me three of the cheapest gins I have ever seen. And I say this with love. and. Uh, I did not have the energy or emotional fortitude to go to the store and get gin. Uh, so I used what I have. I am checking our country stats. 99% sure there's no Russia. Okay. I'm not seeing Russia. Do we have w- less than 1% listeners in Russia? Okay. So we do have some listeners in Russia. So I'm going to be honest. Tolstoy yes. is my absolute favorite. But all of his books are freaking long. I love Dostoevsky, but he can be really dry. And I didn't want to punish Amanda. I love that, like, this isn't dry to you, though. But it's short. That It's poetic. <laughs> I sort of love that, like, especially when people talk about, like, early American literature. Where oh, it's like, oh, yes, I'll take, you know, Hawthorne over, like, Cotton Mather. It's like, both are bad. Like, what are you talking about? Like... Like both are a punishment. I would take neither. So this book is by Alexander Pushkin, who is actually better known for things like Boris Godunov. Um, this is probably, actually, I'm going to be honest, this is probably his most famous work, but mm-hmm. it's not his standard. His standard was more poetry. It was more uh, folk tales, fairy mm-hmm. tales, things like that. Like I have a huge book of his fairy tales. Um where he really shines is that he shows light on 
all different types of Russians in St. Petersburg and the surrounding areas. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting to read it, especially if you know anything about like the early 1800s in St. Petersburg. Um, this is kind of like, if you start looking at the history, this is what leads up to, you know, a major revolution because obviously people are sick of stuff. But mm-hmm. this is still the pretty part where people have fancy dinners and balls and he, his character goes through life initially very, um, very free. So I'm going to do the short story long. So I stop trying to explain it and just tell you. Okay. <laughs> so the time is 1820s in St. Petersburg, Russia. When Eugene's wealthy uncle dies, he inherits a very large fortune and a landed estate. So that's a big deal. Up until this point, he's just been living his life as a dandy. He spends all of his time at parties and balls. He ends up moving to the country to take over his uncle's estate, and he becomes friends with a young poet named Vladimir Lensky. So Lensky is like his BFF. They hang out together all the time. And Lensky invites Onegin to dinner with his family, uh, of the family of his fiance. So mm-hmm. um, his fiance is Olga Lorena, and she is super social, but she's not very smart. But her sister, Tatiana, is incredibly intelligent. She's mm-hmm. quiet and romantic, and she's gorgeous. But she's so shy that Eugene just basically kind of ignores her. Okay. So Olga and Tatiana are very, very different. Tatiana falls madly in love with Onyegin and she writes a letter professing her love. Onyegin doesn't write back. And as somebody who, who's done this in high school, yeah, that, that sucks. Um, <clears throat> they meet in person and he rejects her advances politely and is like, hey, you're more like a little sister to me. You know, you're real sweet but he's really condescending. And he talks about how touching the letter was, but marriage is really boring and he doesn't want to do that, but they can be friends. So he tells her also that she needs to be more in control of her emotions. So no one takes advantage of her innocence. (laughs) So Lensky invites Onyegin to Tatiana's name day party, which is like supposed to be just dinner with Tatiana Olga and her parents. But he shows up and it ends up being this huge country ball. And mm-hmm. it's designed to look like a St. Petersburg ball, which Onyegin is very over. And he gets irritated because the entire time he's there, he just hears people gossiping about Tatiana. And he gets really mad that Lensky made him come. So bored to the party. So bored and irritated, he flirts mm-hmm. with Olga and dances with her. And this is like a major no-no because basically he's cutting in and dancing with her all night. And she's engaged to Lensky. Mm-hmm. So she makes it pretty well known that she thinks Onyegin is hot and Linsky is pissed and heartbroken and challenges Onyegin to a duel. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Bad idea. Onyegin ends Usually. up accepting because he feels he has to by social convention and he doesn't really have a way to, like, he keeps trying to tell his friend, like, this is stupid, but uh-huh. Linsky's like, no, we're, we're effing doing it. <laughs> they duel. As you can probably expect, Onyegin accidentally kills Lenski. He bails out of the country estate and travels abroad to try and kill his feelings of guilt and remorse because, again, mm-hmm. this was his best friend. Tatiana ends up going to Onyegin's estate to kind of check things out, and she wants to know more about him and more why this could have happened. And she mm-hmm. goes through all his books, and while she's reading the notes in the books, she starts to see that Onyegin really has pieced his personality together from fictional literary heroes. So I feel attacked. Mostly Byronic heroes. And she's like, maybe there's no real Onyegin. Maybe he's just faking everything. 
Uh-huh. She's still brokenhearted because basically he told her no and treated her like a child. <clears throat> but she ends up taking her parents' advice and she goes to live with her aunt in Moscow to find a suitor, which is pretty important. Um, years pass. Everyone goes back to St. Petersburg. We're kind of at this point where like the statute of limitations is over. Mm-hmm. Onegin comes to a very prominent ball like he returns and he ends up hanging out with old Russian society that's you know what he was raised in and that's what he knows and he sees this absolutely stunning woman walk in and everyone is fascinated by her of course this is Tatiana who he turned down she's now married to an older Russian prince who is also a general and Onegin becomes obsessed with winning her affections even though he knows that she's very married she rebuffs him. He writes a bunch of letters and she mm-hmm. replies to none of them. He sees her again and tries her to get to elope with him. And she's like, well, we could have been happy, but that time is over. Onegin continues to talk about how much he loves her. She says, well, I still love you, but I'm not going to let you ruin my life. And I'm going to stay faithful to my husband. And she leaves Onegin to realize how he truly messed up. Yay. <clears throat> So somebody I heard refer to this as, this is what would have happened in um, Anna Karenina if Anna had said no to Vronsky. <laughs> like living out your normal life. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with that one. Uh, so here's here's the thing. I am usually not a huge fan of narratives like this just because one I am pretty over the Byronic hero just I've dated approximately 50,000 of them or boys that say that they're Byronic heroes and Pushkin like makes so many references to things like Child Herald and all these like really famous Byronic poems and it's just we should probably explain what a Byronic hero is. First of all, there's a great uh, video essay by PBS on It's Lit that talks about it. But basically the Byronic hero was invented by Lord Byron and he is a moody, privileged, entitled fuckboy who beats everything with his intelligence because he's oh so smart and he's oh so well read and he's oh so good and he doesn't have any strength because he's a fucking dandy And it is not with his sword that he beats things. It is with his wits and every boy I dated in high school. And that's, that's very true. And you can tell that Pushkin has been very influenced by some outside literature, but he takes it. We're going to talk about the French hard on. Oh yeah. Okay. So we're going to go through some of of the societal convention at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and as we take, this French language was this symbol that you were very educated, that you were upper class. And in in the royal court, you didn't really speak Russian to each other. Like mm-hmm. you spoke French with noblemen and, you know, there are so many princes. It's a whole thing. That's why when everything collapsed and people started going to other countries to hide, they would say, mm-hmm. I'm a prince. No one could really tell them that they weren't. Um, there was actually a really famous guy who ran a restaurant in LA. I think his name was, he called himself like Michael Romanoff or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he claimed until his dying day that he was a uh, a Russian nobleman, a Russian prince. And everybody kind of knew that he wasn't, but they're like, yeah, your food's good. So why not? 
There's a bunch of episodes on a, the only other good Aaron Mankey thing that has ever been done, which is Noble Blood. And it's good because he has nothing to do with it. And he lets a woman talk. Um, You're still mad about Aaron Mankey. I love it. It's 2022. There hasn't been enough Aaron Mankey slander. Uh, so I was trying to figure out why Pushkin feels so weird to me on the ear. Pushkin is also known as a cat and is the inspiration for Pusheen the cat. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's Amanda's thing because I'm like, Pushkin sounds like a child character that I know. It is because they're really, really popular as a cat thing because also Russia, but is additionally the inspiration for Pusheen. What's really interesting to me is cats are a really big deal in Russia. Like out here, and I think a lot of that has to do with the influence of the fact that they have the um, Orthodox Church versus the Roman Catholic Church. Because the Roman Catholic Church was like, these are, you know, harbingers of the devil and they're going to work with witches. And Russia really didn't have all that. So they're like, cats are great. We love cats. We'll keep them. Um, I think it's also just a different relationship than to witchcraft more than it is the church because, uh, I mean, the orthodoxy is very, very concerned with paganism, hence why they don't have as many statues and stuff like that. But the idea that witchcraft wasn't necessarily pagan, I think, is more of the issue because, like, that was the big schism issue was that they saw the Roman Catholic Church and they saw all of our fancy robes and all of our incense and all of our stained glass and our too many statues and we're like this looks really fucking pagan and the roman catholic church is like shrug uh. what's really funny too is that when um vladimir the first was picking religions like he was going through and he's like well we got to get like one unifying religion like way back in the day mm-hmm. and he's going through and he's like okay oh, the Muslims seem really freaking cool. I mean, we could get behind that. And then they're like, yeah, well, we don't do pork and we don't drink. And he's like, mm, no. I guess the Orthodox Church is pretty cool. And they've got a, like a lot of influences from the Muslims. Okay, we'll do that. But I mean, even today, well, I mean, a lot of it was destroyed with the overthrow and the eventual USSR and the destruction of religion and stuff. But that's still it's building back up to be a cultural thing which is really a political thing but i don't have time to get into all of that Um, yeah we don't uh if you want to know some fun stuff about the church and uh russia we're just going to point you in the direction of olga kiev (laughs) yes but there's what's interesting is a lot of the culture especially out of the big cities they I, i can't remember the word for it but it means like double belief and what it is, is people would go to the Orthodox church and pray, but then they would also go to the bathhouse and do ceremonies and mm-hmm. rituals and stuff to, you know, find your future husband or things like that. And it was not uncommon to have someone in your village who would basically go to weddings as what was called the koldun to basically watch over the bride and groom for, mm-hmm. you know, getting fed that night and fed alcohol and stuff like that, because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you could be cursed. So, I mean, that was really common. Basically, if you have a Russian grandma, some of the stuff that they do will likely be tied into that. But yeah, it honestly, it just, it reminds me a lot of just like growing up in the South, honestly, because we do a lot of things that are like really fucking pagan that we just don't talk about. Like my aunts will always say like unabashedly that they're Catholic and that we were raised Catholic. Yet if someone doesn't force a black eyed pea into my mouth on New Year's Eve because of luck, like it's a big deal. So that does honestly just remind me a lot, really just living in 
America because we decided that we don't have our own tradition, so we're just going to steal from everyone else and then, you know, diaspora and blah, blah, blah. Of course, Amanda's going to talk about the diaspora. It's my brand. <clears throat> so one of the lines that in here is, one may be a man of reason, but still worry about his nails, which I thought was the funniest thing is basically the justification of Onegin being a pretty boy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very smart. He's read all these books. He can defend himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he still worries about his fingernails and his dressing and his, his, um, all of all of his his clothing and how his hair lies and you know how mm. he's perceived and I thought that that was absolutely fascinating yeah it's really really curious because uh that was something that othered a lot of different uh cultures and people for many many years as hygiene like that was one of the historic reasons for anti-semitism is that the Jews actually bathed uh you see it a lot in different other uh, religious instances or cultural differences like uh, the Cago in France, where because they took regular care of themselves, they were considered to be othered rather than like just a part of the Catholic church and not be gross. Uh, so I do love this idea that rather than it othering him, it fits into that mold of the Byronic hero where, yeah, he's just a femboy who goes to Hot Topic and probably listens to My Chemical Romance and writes poetry that everyone thinks is deep because he saw the matrix five times but it's not really deep brian yes so so (laughs) one of the next things we have in here and it's just a cultural thing so the name day celebration that's something that they talk about for tatiana it's not a birthday but Mm -hmm. if your name lines up with a russian saint which it usually does um you celebrate that name day so it would have the feast of Tatiana or whatever you do that and you celebrate it separately from birthdays um, yes and you get like um you have celebrations that can either be like you know a small dinner or a huge mm-hmm. birthday party kind of thing mm-hmm. um and so that was something that was really interesting and most of this was before you know um the October revolution but mm-hmm. it was it was just kind of seen as a oh let's let's do this special day you know we're going to honor the saint and and you because you have this connection so absolutely and you, you will see that in the catholic church sometimes as well just because uh typically if you are confirmed you get a saint and you get to have some stuff with that saint i have my saint picked out but i am not yet confirmed i'm confirmed in the lutheran church and we see how well that stuck i mean the saint that I have picked out is of no shock to anyone. Is it Saint Andrew? Or not it Saint Andrew? Not. Saint Anthony? No. Is it Saint Sebastian? It is. Okay, I was gonna say which one is the one with the arrows? <laughs> Good job. Like it is <laughs> it of took, no surprise it to took anyone. Me three tries, but I it got did there. take you three tries, but you were all like increasingly in the ballpark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you okay? Uh, do you want to talk about St. Petersburg balls, which I did have to have a moment of immature cackling. So if you ever see movies about Russia, like War and Peace or anything. Anastasia. And Anastasia. <laughs> huge balls. Um, they were usually a lot smaller than that. Um, if you actually go and look at some of the ballrooms for these houses, they're really not that big. Mm-hmm. Um, Dinner was usually served and they went all night 
like there are reports of people like the morning church bells being like, oh, I guess we need to be done now. Like if you live in San Antonio, um, and I mean no disrespect by this, if mm. you have like a Hispanic friend who throws a party and it goes all night into the next day, this is like what we're talking about. Um, yeah, TBH black families will have this too. Uh, not as bad because the police will just shoot us. Uh, you didn't hear that? I did not say that. Nothing. So a lot of the story here has to deal with um, social convention and societal convention. Yes. Um, it, it was <clears throat> crucial for a woman to marry into a situation where she had wealth, unless she was mm-hmm. unfortunately a serf. In mm-hmm. Tatiana's case, they're very middle class. They live mm-hmm. out in the country. They have an estate. It's mm-hmm. not royalty. It's not anything crazy. But with the right training, I guess, you can marry a higher up, which is what Tatiana does. So her her family sending her to Moscow is not just to mm-hmm. get her away from the memory of, mm-hmm. of Eugene, but to get her to go someplace else where her family because she has family in Moscow, where they will transform her and they will ensure that she marries up and doesn't make stupid mistakes. So that was very common is if you had, you know, a country family and they were looking to marry, you would basically come out to society in St. Petersburg or Moscow, depending. Um, So that was where you would meet your possible future spouse. Now, it is bizarre for Eugene to not be looking for a wife or something to help settle his estate but Mm -hmm. he does have that whole I've lived through society I've you know I've been to all the balls it's so boring I don't want to do anything you know that that could be considered on the regular beaten path I've got to do my own thing right Um, there's actually a whole portion of the book that is missing like he he Pushkin did this and it drives me crazy there are sections that like a lot of the modern translations will have like part seven and then there's nothing there and it goes Mm -hmm. on to part eight um because he would take things out he'd be like no you don't deserve to have this or we can't have this here but he had a whole section about traveling through all of russia and going to all these other places and he cut the whole thing Mm -hmm. and so you just kind of go okay so he was gone for a long time but really he goes Mm -hmm. um onegin goes through all of these different things but um, yeah, I found that fascinating. Uh, y'all didn't see this, but Tori did. The indiscriminate snickering is because that's literally the plot of Mulan. With good breeding and a tiny waist, you will bring honor to us all. Uh, this is Russian Mulan. Russian Mulan. Well, it makes sense because they border China. Anyway. Um, they do. And there's a lot. We're of- not going to talk about that politically at all. <clears throat> there was a, yeah. Anyway. Um, there's a reason that there's always a debate of where, whether Russians are more European or more Asian, really they're just Russians. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, building a personality out of pop culture. I think Rude. I've done this in the past. <laughs> I mean, shit. I think I still do this on occasion. Uh, but I guess mine also has to do with like dual consciousness of like, what side of me can you see? Uh, can you see the Marvel side? Okay, cool. Cause I have a lot of opinions about MCU stuff. Like, oh, I still have so many things about MCU stuff. You need to go ahead and see Spider-Man because I have a lot of thoughts. I know I need to see it. <laughs> you need to hurry up and see the Spooderman because I have so many thoughts. Uh, but yeah. 
I love that he builds his whole personality out of different books so that it's not mm-hmm. readily apparent. It's it's funny to me because I think of us now and and not just us, I mean us as collectively as an American society and mm-hmm. British, I guess, as well, with the whole I'm a Gryffindor, I'm a Slytherin, I'm a Hufflepuff. Like we do this. We look at our, we go, this is my personality. I'm gonna go with this. So this actually just happened to me at work where we were all talking about like our uh, house alignments. And one of the girls that I'm closest with, she's like, oh yeah, I'm a Gryffindor, I'm a Gryffindor, I'm a Gryffindor. And she like checks her old Pottermore and it's like, she was sorted into Ravenclaw. And I was telling her like, you are not a Gryffindor. Like, I'm sorry, I know you, like you are not a Gryffindor. And she had like a full on existential crisis over not being a Gryffindor. <laughs> so accurate, like I get it. Um, I think like, there was like one Buzzfeed quiz that scored me into Hufflepuff because I think it's drunk. Because uh, I'm not a Hufflepuff in any way. There are a lot of things people can say about me. Hufflepuff is not one of them. I will but say yeah, Hufflepuffs like throw the best parties though. They do, they do, they do. But uh, yeah, we've built, like being an anime fan is a huge part of my personality. Like being a comic book fan is a huge part of my personality. Uh, downplaying my intelligence because of the patriarchy is unfortunately a huge part of my personality. Yeah. That was a fun think- therapy meeting. I remember being in high school and stupidly making Jane Eyre my personality. Yeah, that was a bad choice. I mean, I remember thinking it was so romantic and and it's like now I'm older and I'm like, wow, I needed so much more therapy than I was getting. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what was my personality when I was in high school. I think it was like just shown in anime and like yaoi, like it was gay stuff and then like just like big three shown in anime. That was my entire personality and Edgar Allan Poe, even though at that point I had read like zero Edgar Allan Poe. I thought that I was just like edgy and dark. And it's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You are literally a poser. And then I got older and had more depression. And now I'm a true fan of Edgar Allan Poe. I just remember my mom being very frightened because I went from like listening to the Spice Girls and Avril Lavigne to suddenly being like way into Nine Inch Nails and stabbing westward and all this stuff and she's like where is my sweet girl I'm like I'm still here I just understand the world is very dark (laughs) we were trash (laughs) have you seen that meme going around that says I regret to inform you that my 17 year old self is right everything is bullshit I haven't seen that one but that does sound accurate (laughs) my mom found it and sent it to me and I'm like thank you that does sound hilariously accurate I didn't think the world was bullshit at 17 I mostly just thought that like I think I had one no concept of money and two uh I thought that like independence was the answer and it is but like I had no idea of how to get there or what, what that meant and then just I I needed so much more therapy than I got I was in therapy but like I needed so much more therapy than I received. (laughs) Oh my God. So what I think is really interesting, and I don't know, duels were a thing, obviously, because we see this in this book. Mm -hmm. Do you think that comes mostly from like that French culture? Or do you Um, think that that's just kind of a universal feeling? I do think it probably wasn't helped by the French hard on. 
I just feel like now you're going to make a shirt that says the French hard on and we're not going to be able to test me. (laughs) We're not going to be able to give it to anybody, but Uh, I will find a way. I will erect the Eiffel Tower. I'll do it. I will have the Eiffel Tower coming out of someone's pants. I will do it. Don't (laughs) fucking test me. Uh, Yeah, I think it, I think it is not assisted by the French hard on. Um, I'm trying to think of like the history of that area. There were like duels and feats of strength, but my mind keeps blanking to Olga of Kiev and it's more just like trickery and murder. So you know what? No, I think it is entirely the French hard on because it feels like uh, from what I know about Russia and the Kievian Bruce and stuff like that, they would just kill you. What's interesting about duels and in this particular thing is everything was designed so that you didn't go out and just shoot somebody. It was structured, you had seconds, and the second was designed to go forward and find a way to stop the duel. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing was that the second is supposed to come to you and be like, listen, we don't have to do this. Do you just want to apologize and then we'll count it good? And in this book, the second duels work. The second for Lensky doesn't Mm -hmm. come to Onegin and say, hey, do you just want to apologize? And so with societal convention, so he doesn't look like a chicken, he just feels like he has to move forward, which is really stupid. What is the etymology of calling someone a coward a chicken? Because I've seen a lot of chickens and they'll fuck you up. Oh yeah, they will. Although they're really fun to carry around. My sister has a like farm. I was going to say, Tori, are you just out in the fucking woods grabbing chickens? Like, what are you doing? I mean, at my sister's house, yes. I was like, what in the caucasity? But that makes a lot more sense. She has two alpacas as well, but they're dicks, so. I think alpacas are always dicks. I think that's just how they live. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's just their existence. Her barn uh, cats are amazing, though. I love the barn cats. They came with the house, so as did the chickens. Yes. So, so jams in heaven. <laughs> I think we do need to talk about the French hard-on a little bit more, just because that was very, very prevalent in Russia at the time. There was a huge boner for French language. Uh, the French is a symbol of higher education and being upper class. Um, I know to point back at noble blood again, the only good thing Aaron Mankey has done, uh, so tired of Aaron Mankey, uh, they talk a lot about, uh, some of the czarinas and such like that, that, you know, they point back to France. Um, I think what's most interesting about the French hard on is I don't think France noticed or cared at all. Cause I'm trying to think of France during that time. I don't think they were aware or cared in the least. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is a lot of, you know, when, when the October revolution and everything happened, a lot of French royalty went to France. So like Anastasia's grandmother ended mm-hmm. up in France. That's not, that part is like one of the only accurate portions of that entire movie. Um, I know I have the sticker. I have the sticker right here. Yeah. Stop, Stop looking, looking to me. for historical accuracy. I yes. get every day. Good. Um, but like they also went to places like Australia and the United States. I don't know how much in Canada. I haven't looked that part up. Um, Probably enough in Canada. There is also a, a very big cultural debate. And we we're kind of talking about this, like, are they Asia or are they Europe? Um, P- until I believe it was Peter the Great came down to England and like was doing all these things where he was building ships and learning how, you know, the English customs worked. 
Russia was very much on its own and it, it mm-hmm. grew and it became its own thing without really any outside influence until that started happening. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden there are all these roots open and people are starting to take on ideas mostly from the French and from um, French philosophers and things like that. Catherine the Great was really big on that. And that's why mm-hmm. she did a lot of her reforms is she's like, hey, this seems smart. Let's do this. She was also one of the ones who got one of the first vaccines which I find fascinating. So, and not at all topical right now. Get your vaccine, get boosted. But yeah, like you have that with the Kievian Rus where they never quite fit in as Asian necessarily, but they certainly didn't fit in with other Europeans. Like there has always been this weirdness about Russia that perhaps adds to the general weirdness of Russia. Uh, to pimp another thing, Crash Course has a very good episode on that. Uh, I miss John and Hank Green. Not like they're not doing anything. I just miss them. I watch Hank's TikToks all the time. He's amazing on TikTok. Like TikTok was, pre- I feel like TikTok was made for Hank. Like it is very much like his thing. So um, yes. Because I'm obsessed with Russia and we all know this. <laughs> Christmas, my, my mom goes, oh, thank God you've moved on to Norway and given up uh, Russia. And I was like, Actually, so some of the Vikings were called the Rus and they went to Russia and they settled in Russia and that became a whole thing. Wait, isn't that how the Kievian Rus got their name? Yeah, the Rus uh, were, uh, were uh, they came from like the Scandinavian area. Also, do I get no credit for even knowing what the I'm Kievian so, Rus was? I'm so freaking proud of you. You don't even Thank know. You. I was like, do I get any credit for even knowing about this? So are we ready to talk about pushkin and him being just like he feels so byronic and he's not byron and it's crazy (laughs) i think byron doesn't feel like byron anymore so yeah go off i guess so alexander sergeyevich pushkin was born on june 6 1799 um so in russia folks have what's called a patronymic and that means Mm -hmm. their dad's name is included as part of their identity so his dad would have been named sergey um Pushkin is considered to be a great literary hero in Russia, even to today. Um, It's not uncommon for school kids to know his poetry by heart. So that's something that they learn in school. Mm -hmm. He is known as the greatest Russian poet and actually the founder of modern Russian literature, which is pretty good for somebody who was in like 1800. Um, He has inspired a lot of European authors and Russian literature in general. Um, Yes. This book, um, Eugene Onegin, was actually written in a new verse style that was created by Pushkin. So it's called the Onegin verse style. It is really hard to write in and I don't want to. Um, Mm -hmm. He was born into Russian nobility in Moscow, which is culturally very different from St. Petersburg. Um, Moscow always kind of gets this reputation that it's darker and harder than St. Petersburg. At certain times, yes, but... um, Mm -hmm. His, his dad, um, his maternal great-grandfather was actually a Central African-born man named Abraham Petrovich Ganabal or Hannibal. So mm-hmm. he was of African descent. So that's something that I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, he published his first poem at 15. I win. I published mine at 10. <laughs> um, and he was very well recognized when he graduated from the uh, Skarske sorry, Solo Lyceum, which is the school like he went to. And he always talked about the Lyceum mm-hmm. and all these things. Um, 
he had a problem in that he always tended to get in trouble for publishing poetry that was controversial. So he wrote something called the Ode to Liberty and he ended up being sent into exile by Tsar Alexander I. So he's like, get out of here. So he's in exile, he's under observation, he can't publish anything. Um, and he writes his most famous play, Boris Gudunov. So his famous play, which is about a hero from way back in the day. Um, it ends up, so um, Eugene Onegin ends up being published as a serial between 1825 and 1832. And the first stanza was officially started May 9th, 1823, thanks to the notes. Um, I have to pause you for a second. So you mentioned like controversial poetry and all I can think of is that Arthur Rimbaud, after breaking up the marriage between Verlaine and his wife, wrote a sonnet called The Arsehole Sonnet which is literally about someone's butthole. So I have a very, very weird uh, bar for what is controversial poetry. So as you probably guessed, because he ended up getting published, um, he did get forgiven by the czar. How lovely. Back, um, was back in society. The thing that a lot of people know about him other than his poetry is that he died in a duel which is hysterical because he wrote about a duel um he his wife supposedly had an affair with her sister's husband um george charles de hecarin de antes i can't even do it dante's geckum basically he was a okay. french officer um and they went out Mm-hmm. he gets shot mm-hmm. dies it's mm-hmm. very tragic everybody's very sad but if you there's a place in saint petersburg called the literary cafe which is rumored to be the last place that he ate before, not it wasn't called the literary cafe then but it's rumored to be the last place that he ate before uh-huh. he died. and there's a really weird wax statue of him sitting at a table which freaks me out um I will include the Atlas Obscura link because him looking at it going, uh, it's kind of like that TikTok thing. He looks at me, I look yes. at me. Um, Tori and I only speak in uh, TikTok references at this point. Yeah, we've, we've basically lost our minds. This is where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's interesting is about this time, we also have Tchaikovsky show up on the scene. Mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky becomes very beloved by Russian royalty and the Russian people. Mm-hmm. And he ends up adapting a lot of Pushkin's works, including Eugene Onegin. Mm-hmm. Which if you go on YouTube or you're looking anything up and you look up Eugene Onegin, the first searches you're going to find is the opera. Because the opera is better known around the world than the book itself. Which I do not inherently think is a bad thing. I just think it's it's interesting that that's you know that that's the thing yeah um no I get that I I like opera a lot I think opera can do a great job of storytelling in a lot of ways um I was also a pretentious snotty child so of course I like opera it was a bougie snotty snobby child Listen, my mom got season tickets to the local like performing arts center to take me to opera. So mm-hmm. don't feel bad. She was like, I just want to do something nice with you. So yeah, you're you're not the only one who is like 
preteen and adorable and pretentious. <laughs> oh, I was, oh God, I was the fucking worst. So Pushkin has a lot of things named after him. Streets, a city, a really nice yeah. restaurant that's expensive as hell, which mm-hmm. I, I, and this is where I laugh because my mom's like, so you, the whole thing, you gave up on Russia. And I'm like, I kind of have to, like, I can't travel there right now. One, because of COVID. Two, because of all the insane unsafety going on. Let's, let's just be really, really realistic. It is not safe. It is not safe. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's like Ukraine. If you look at their travel guidelines, they're like, mm-hmm. you'd be okay. Just don't go to Crimea. Okay. Like, uh, and it's, it's interesting because we go through these phases. I mean, obviously, the Cold War mm-hmm. was one of the biggest bad phases where we're like, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. the 90s when everything started to fall apart not safe to go because the oligarchs were in charge of everything in the game mm-hmm. and then we had this period where it was totally fine to go with like the world cup and the olympics and now we're back to okay we're probably going to get into a war with russia and i'm like come on i don't think i don't know if we'll go to war per se but i definitely don't like the way things are going i mean i'm not a military strategist let's be real everything i know about military strategy comes from the fucking deadliest warrior series i'm not a military historian i'm a nerd who should not be given power so there are a few adaptations of this um there's obviously the opera there is a Mm -hmm. movie that i haven't seen mostly because i wasn't going to pay like eight dollars to rent it um yeah and i didn't feel like looking for it I used a lot of resources for this episode, including some YouTube videos. So all of those links will get posted. Um, I cited my resources in the episode because that's how I do things. And then I make notes so I can go find them. This is also <laughs> true. Um, did you have to read this in school? I have never heard of this book until you made me read it. So I didn't have to read it, but it is pretty common um, in Russian literature courses. I have zero shock about that. Uh, But yeah, it was definitely... uh, Russian literature for me is perpetually just very dry. It's not my favorite read. But this was not as bad as I expected. I was expecting, you know, fucking Dostoevsky where it's like... It's (laughs) hard because you're like, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I, this person is terrible. I hate them. Right. Like I was, I was expecting, yeah, I was expecting a little more like Dostoevsky and it wasn't that bad. So I will give some credit here. Not that bad. I love Tolstoy. I love his descriptions. I think he has created some of the most beautiful worlds and Mm -hmm. really captures, you know, Russian culture at the time and the essence Mm -hmm. of the the terrors of the Crimean war and stuff like that. And the wars with the Polish but he is so long mm-hmm. like i i could not justify making you read a thousand pages of something like oh know, and here's the funny thing i can almost promise you i just wouldn't have i know i know and i was just like you know what that's, there's no point um, yeah like that would have 100 percent been and we're gonna go to spark notes and we're gonna <laughs> watch oh my god um why can't i think of what her name is she was in uh, the Cinderella adaptation. Um, they made a, a War and Peace recently that was like a mini series, and it was actually pretty accurate. Um, oh, that's nice. Which was cool. 
That's so good. Our next book, and I apologize because it could have gone a couple ways. It could have. But you you ended up agreeing to go with it. I did. Uh, is Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Which is weird because I've seen a lot of kids read this for school. Uh, sure. It can was <laughs> this or American Gods, dude. You know who said American Gods was a fucking option? Do you want you to just said we Gods? don't have to read Coraline? Do you want to do American Gods? It's my no, favorite. No, we're already reading Coraline. fucking Coraline. Cheater. How am I cheating? You never said American Gods was the other option. You, you just said. No, I'm serious. I will happily switch to American Gods. Oh my God. No, we're reading Coraline. That's what children actually read. Okay. All right. I have okay. to go work through some double trauma if you'll excuse me. Um, if you frighten easily, don't watch the movie adaptation. It's so creepy. Don't watch the movie at all. I love it, but it's so creepy. It's so unnerving. It's so, oh my God. I, yeah, I have to work through some doll trauma, if you'll excuse me. We're going to just have a whole episode on doll trauma. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, we are. You are, you are a hundred percent correct, my friend. Uh, Tori, where can the uh, fine people find us now that we're back? So we are all over social media. We're on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook, Unfortunately RR on Twitter, Unfortunately mm-hmm. Required on Instagram. And if you just want to mm-hmm. go to one place for everything, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. That's where we put all of our show notes and resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, just makes it easier. You can go one place. You can see what we're drinking. You can see what we're doing. Um, I don't have time for a TikTok right now. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but yeah, we don't have time to manage a TikTok right now. Uh, also, because it's really, really hard to manage it as like two people. Yes. Uh, so. But the Spark uh, Notes one is a gem. So Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, if you would like to uh, support the Wine and Cheese Fund, you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Uh, your monetary support is not required, but it is greatly appreciated. Uh, this is where we give a shout out to those of uh, to those who do decide to give us money for some reason. Uh, thank you for keeping the physical and metaphorical lights on. We do appreciate it very much. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to reach out to us, um, you can email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. And one of us will answer eventually. And also we just got featured on a list of like, you would think I would remember the name of the list, but I'm so excited that my brain just died. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, actually, we were told to pimp said list. Uh, so let me pull up. I have it on here. So it, it was from, uh, it's the best 35 reading podcasts in 2022 from Reading Glasses. Yeah. And we appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for including us. We are yeah, we're really delighted. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a really, really big shock. Uh, thank you, Feedspot, for uh, f- featuring us. Uh, we're number 22 out of 35. I'll fucking take it. <laughs> I was like screaming, yes, in my house. Well, because so- I was checking the email doing something else. And I was like, we were featured on a list. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we share the Google account. So I was checking for something completely unrelated. And it's like, hey, we're on this thing. <laughs> so uh, thank you. We appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Uh, I am going to 
uh, not drink the rest of this gin cocktail because Oregon Spirit makes a terrible gin. I will probably finish this Diet Coke and vodka a little bit later on today as I do household chores. That sounds like a great way to do household chores. Uh, Just remember, guys, the pandemic is not over just because you're over it. Uh, Get vaccinated. You literally have no excuse at this stage. Uh, Be safe. It only uh, goes up from here because we are very close to gracing the very bottom. And as we say at the end of every episode, uh, go read a book. Will it stop recording?